Uh, we're still on wisdom. We finished the front side of this. So we are now on to provision, example, and rebellion. Uh, so we talked about, remember, we're filling in, growing a child in, and we're still in the first category, wisdom. We have four categories total for this study. And in four categories, we have six items. So four times six is what, Ben? We have 24 points. And we've done three. So how many are left? Elizabeth? Thank you, Elizabeth. Talitha doesn't know her known name. So now we have two Elizabeth Roberts. You taking her home with you? Okay. You trade? You can trade. We do trades. This is the trade season right before the playoffs. So, All right. So we went through discipline, instruction, and authority in the categories of growing a child in wisdom. And we talked about wisdom being mental largely. Um, but it also involved the will, it involved righteousness. So, quick review. Let's just see. I don't have the board up here, so let's see how you do here. All right? What aspects of life are there when we talk about wisdom? The Bible defines wisdom in Proverbs as several things. We talked about this weeks ago, but let's just make sure um, it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, because of the, we skipped a week, we didn't have it. Um, so what is wisdom engage? Several things. What does it engage according to Proverbs? Where does it begin? Yes. What is the fear of the Lord? To hate evil. So if you want a wise child, you're going to help them grow in hating evil. That is the fear of the Lord because the Lord is holy, holy, holy. And if the Lord is holy and you fear him, then you will hate evil, because he hates evil. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, Proverbs says. So that's the first thing we want. We talked about that a lot under discipline, that we want our children to grow to hate evil. And sometimes that requires us to do what they think is evil toward them, because they've earned it. And that's what corporeal discipline is. Um, they consider it an evil, all right? You spank me, you, whatever. They think that's an evil you've done to them. Well, why did you do it to them? Because they did evil. And so we want the association. If I do evil, this evil happens, so I should hate evil. Um, but we know that that evil is actually an act of, very, of godly love, and so it's called chastening in the Bible. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and disciplines every son. So you know you're God's son if he comes after you. If they ignore you, if they are indifferent to your evil, it means that they don't love you. You're not someone that they take responsibility for. So if I was indifferent to our children not seeing, they would know that I'm indifferent to them. If I didn't care whether they sang or didn't sing, but I do care. So I put them on the spot tonight to show that it matters to me because I know it matters to God and it should matter to you. I didn't beat up on any of them too much, but they're embarrassed a little bit, I hope. And their parents will probably get after them when they get home. Why didn't you sing? That was embarrassing to me. It's okay. That's what children are for, to embarrass parents. Hate evil. What's the second facet of Wisdom, we found it's the near neighbor, that wisdom and this are always together. What was it, that word that does not use very much anymore? Prudence. 
That is self-control and appropriate use of resources, like your breath, like your words, like your thoughts, like your time, um, as well as things you own, like your toys and your electronic devices. Prudence is the right use of those or disuse of those in many cases, of not using them. Prudence is that I'm going to control that and use it properly and apply it properly. What is the third concept of wisdom from Proverbs that we saw in that verse? The knowledge of the Holy One. Do they know God? What do they know about God? And we're going to see some of that uh, a little bit tonight. So they should know a knowledge of the Holy One. They should know informational knowledge of God and His Word, His revelation, and even I would consider knowledge of His creation to be part of that, knowledge of the Holy One. Because what does creation reveal according to Romans 1? Romans 1 tells us that some things are known by creation. All the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen in the things that are made so that men are without excuse. So the knowledge of the Holy One isn't just biblical knowledge, it's also knowledge of the Holy One that we can see, His invisible attributes that are evident in all creation. So when I take my child out into creation and I'm teaching them uh, quote-unquote science, then I am teaching them aspects of God's work. Okay, so not only is it right and wrong, not only is it moral things, not only is it information about God and his stories, but it's also his work. And the work of God involves everything that exists, all the matter of this world. Okay, all right, what's the last aspect of wisdom that we are trying to touch base on in each of these six categories? Discretion. And discretion is one that is used frequently throughout Proverbs, especially if you get the, um, in, in our New King James and some of our modern translations, they, they prefer some other words, um, but you're going to find, if you get to the English translation of the Septuagint, the Greek, uh, with the Orthodox Bible, uh, Greek Orthodox Bible, you will find they use the word discretion and prudence frequently throughout the book of Proverbs. Um, I've been telling young men and old men alike for years to read through a, one chapter of Proverbs every day. Um, it is a book by a man for men about manly things. And you should be spending one, you should be a chapter of Proverbs to align with the day. We just got done with August 31st, so that was all 31 chapters. So last, yesterday, I got to investigate um, a certain kind of woman. What kind of a woman? All right, none of the women I'm asking you to not answer. I'm asking the men, really, um, because it talks about who can find her, what kind of woman. Proverbs 31, that's yesterday. Today is Proverbs 1. We're going to get into Proverbs 1. And so um, one of the things I'm doing right now this year is I'm reading through the Greek Orthodox, I'm the Greek translation of Proverbs, which has been pretty interesting because it, it's... It, takes you away from what you're used to reading every month and now every month I'm getting a, a different and there's also different verses there's a few verses extra added into the Greek Orthodox out of the Septuagint so um, we're going to talk about 
discretion. It's a word used frequently in that translation um, that, that wise people are discreet. What is discretion? It is knowing what to say or not to say and when to say it or when not to say it. Or when to do it or when not to do it. Discretion uh, involves those kinds of decision making. All right? Is it the right time? And sometimes the right time is never. And we try to teach children this in old adages um, that there are certain things that just shouldn't be said. Uh, there are certain times that we shouldn't be saying those. And there are certain times when they should be said. Okay, so discretion isn't just the not saying. Sometimes it is saying it at the right time. All right? So on the back of your page, we are growing a child in wisdom. We've already talked about discipline, instruction, and authority. Last week's authority, I, I thought, any questions on last week's issue of authority? Because that was probably something that maybe challenged you out of an area you're not familiar with or comfortable with. Any questions or, that came up over the week on authority issues? When we talk about a child having their own authority over their own will, that God made them that way, and you cannot break their will. Um, I was always described by people as a strong-willed child. Can you believe that? Um, I want to tell you something. Every child is a strong-willed child. The only difference is how they manifest that will. Some of us are just out there in front and just challenging right in front, but then there's the sneaky ones. And just because they're sneaky doesn't mean their will isn't strong. And they seem compliant on the outside, but then down underneath there's something else going on. They're still very strong-willed. My wife, very different than me, was a very compliant child. But if you don't think she has a strong will, you don't know her very well. Okay? It, it, she's, it's there. Okay? So we all, all your children have a strong will. Some of them are more evident and more obvious and confrontational. Others of them are a little more subversive and sneaky um, and may even appear compliant. Remember the proverb or the parable Jesus talked about or, or the illustration, you know, which child was the right child, the one that said they would obey and didn't or the one that said they wouldn't obey but did? See, a strong-willed, out-front child will just deny, defy you to your face, and then they might think about it and go out and decide, well, I should obey. And the compliant child will have the same attitude of heart. Uh, they'll say they'll obey, but in their heart, they're not intending to obey, and they'll not. And so they both had a strong will issue, right? Right? So all your children have their own will, so that was under authority. Any questions of that from last week? There are other areas of authority that we establish with our children to devise wisdom. We're going to visit some of those probably a little bit later on when we get to rebellion, the last letter. Okay, let's go on to P. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. What does P stand for in the diaper? <laughs> that sounded terrible. What is P in a diaper? <laughs> it's urine. No, um, it stands for what? Provision. So what are we going to provide our children? Let's go to Proverbs 1 and look at a dad trying desperately to provide wisdom to his son. All right, let's start off. Um, 
verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, and perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple. There's that word prudence again. Keeps coming up. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. There's discretion. You see knowledge. So you see how these keep repeating? Do you think they might be linked to wisdom? So this is so we, we used it before in a different chapter and passage here in Proverbs, but here it is wrapped up together. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. To fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And we'll get into that from there. And then we jump down later and it talks about wisdom um, uh, crying out or... Um, Singing out um, is how the Septuagint is translated, singing out in the marketplace. So we'll get to that in a little bit. So when we talk about provision, how do you provide for your child to grow in wisdom? We've already talked about one area, and that's instruction, right? So when we did instruction, that is one thing you need to provide your child with. You need to provide them with discipline. So you need to provide them those first two, and we need to provide them an example so outside of those three, what kinds of things do you need to provide for your child that they could grow in wisdom? And remember, wisdom is to hate evil, to be prudent, to have knowledge of the Holy One, and to have discretion. What do you need to provide your child? And this is going to change over their lifespan because they're going to mature and they're going to need more, um, not instead of, in addition to. Okay, so um, you don't stop discipline. It changes, but it doesn't ever stop till they are no longer your responsibility. Okay, so even though your discipline changes as they mature, um, it doesn't stop because they've matured. And in fact, I would contend with you that even into adulthood, a parent has the authority to discipline their child. An example I like to give is Jacob with his two boys. Two of his boys did a naughty thing. They were full-grown men, capable of wielding a sword and slaughtering an entire city. Granted, the city was incapacitated because they had all circumcised themselves. What did Jacob do? He cursed them. That's a form of discipline. And that curse stuck. God took that curse seriously, and it stuck to those two young men. Older men, actually. They're pretty mature by that point. And so, yes, it changes its form, but it's still there. Okay, ultimately, one of the disciplines upon, that Proverbs even talks about is that, um, you just, you, that, the, that you're going to lose your inheritance, Ultimately, that's a discipline of a parent onto an adult child is you're going to lose your inheritance. I say, well, that's, that's exactly what this proverb just said. It said it in the positive, but what did it say? When you listen to the words of your father and you obey the law of your mother, what's it going to be to you? Did you see it there? Proverbs chapter 1, verse... 
ได้Jewelry, <laughs> a crown, which remember who's talking? The king of Israel is talking. My son, if you will listen to me, this will become a crown for you. That's your inheritance. You're going to have the king of the crown and gold around your neck. Okay, that's your savings plan. That's your parents' savings plan, your inheritance. This will be your inheritance. Your inheritance is at stake here. So yes, even into adulthood, these things matter. And I don't stop being an example to my children just because they are now 15 and rebellious and, and are out of the house when they're whatever age or their own people. Yes, I'm raising adults, but I still have to be, be an example of them. We're going to talk about example next week, Lord willing. Okay, so we're in the area of provision. What do you need to provide what does Solomon try to provide for his son? To help him grow in wisdom. We just read it all. Say it again. Instruction. All right, so that's point blank right there. Hear the instruction of your father. You need to instruct them. You need to teach them knowledge, informational, and that begins at a very early age. And I am one that contends that the male voice has more authority and impact on children uh, in the instructional realm. Uh, the female voice um, is much more nurturing than the male voice. The male voice is very much more authoritative and in, and, and in, in Directive, we'll put it like that. It's more directive, whereas the female voice is more invitational. Okay, it doesn't mean that, that those are generalizations. It doesn't mean that there's no crossover at all and that men can't be invitational, men, women can't be authoritative. I'm just saying general. Okay, and so we come to the instruction of your father, and I believe that you should be instructing your children from a very, 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 very early age. Okay, men and, well, moms and dads. How do you instruct your newborn? How do you help them grow mentally? We converse with them. Is that conversing? No. I do not want my child growing up to go, so I don't say that to them because I don't want them saying that to me when they're 12. So I talk to children in real words with real sentences. Okay? Um, in the nursery, I'm talking to your children, and I'm reading to them. Please read to your children. Um, at a very, very, very early age, like three days. Three days old, you start. By then, you're comfortable with them. They're comfortable with you. You're probably at home by then. Um, even in the womb, that's okay to talk to them too. Um, so we want to engage them. That's audio and visual through the reading and pictures. Uh, we're trying to open their minds up. Language is something they learn in the first three years of their life. Can you believe that? 
just think of how complex that is, that they are learning by three years old to use sentences. They can't identify what's the noun, what's, they can't identify the grammar that's required, but they do it because they've learned it. They just haven't learned all the tags and rules, but they know the rules because they have heard it. Okay? And so you're going to provide that environment of opening their mind up. Uh, these, even some uh, that we, uh, minds that uh, are damaged, have an in, in, incredible capacity to learn things. I think we saw that with, with Rachel as a good example. She had, a, she, you know, she had severe MR, mental retardation, but she knew what she knew. You know, and, and we couldn't drive by a hamburger place without saying, knowing it. She knew what those symbols meant. That was, what did she say? Bubba. That was a bubba. And she knew what those arch things meant and whatever other restaurants. She knew what those were. Okay? And so even a very heavily damaged mind has a capacity to learn. So we want to open up their minds. And so knowledge is part of wisdom. An aspect of wisdom is knowledge. We want to invite them and bring them in. So you have a responsibility there. Give them the instruction. Let them hear speech that will be what you want them to be able to talk like. And so you will not hear me go, um, actually, I do that to my older kids. When they talk like they have something in their mouth. Like, blah, 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 blah. And they look at me like, why did he just do that to me? Because that's exactly the way you sounded to me. Because you look like, blah, blah, blah. clear your voice, let it out there and speak, you know, so I can understand you. Enunciate. Okay? How else do we provide for them to grow in wisdom? By the way, how does this advance? We understand, hopefully, the advancement of education is at home in the development there. And it develops socially. We're going to talk about socially. We get in favor of men more, but we're really focused on the mental. Yes. All right. Experiences. Most of Proverbs talks about as you're walking down the street. You're going to encounter this, you're going to encounter that, you're going to encounter this, you're going to encounter that. How should you react to all of those things? And so as we take our children out into the world, the Bible says that we should have something go in front of them. What is it that should go in front of them? As a frontlet, it says. The law of God. Remember, we want them to hate evil. So we're going to put the law of God in this. So as we encounter things in life, we have two facets of wisdom. We want them to grow to hate evil. We want them to increase the knowledge of God and learn prudence and discretion. And that means that as they encounter this world, what are they going to encounter most often? Evil. So why would you have the law of God go in front of them? It, because as you encounter these things, we identify them. You say, well, that's evil. We don't do that. Why don't we do that? My friend, my, you know, so-and-so's parents let them do that. That's the old argument. And I would say, well, that's too bad for so-and-so, isn't it, that their parents let them do that kind of evil? Because that's not going to happen here. Because that's evil. And there's consequences of that down the road. 
And so permissiveness is going to lead to these problems. You have self-oriented children that don't hate evil, they don't have knowledge of the Holy One, and then they're not prudent nor discreet. And so all through Proverbs, he keeps saying you're going to find these people, you're going to encounter these influences. And this I want to talk about a little bit. Look down chapter 1, go to <clears throat> verse 20. I'm sorry, not verse 20. Uh, verse 10, 20 is next. There's two influences, you have a choice. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait and shed blood, let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol and, the, and whole, like those who go down the pit, we shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil, cast your lot in among us. And we can go on and read all the evil they have intended. And here's the enticement. What are they enticing you, your child to do? Evil. And Solomon takes us right to the extreme. Let's say it's murder. The first friends that are outside of the wisdom of God are enticing your child to commit murder. For what purpose? To enrich themselves. This is the first example, the very first example that Solomon chooses to use about showing his son wisdom. What does that tell you? That one of the first things as a parent you need to provide is your child discretion and prudence over their other influences. One of the first things I believe that you have responsibility in to grow in wisdom is to prepare them and provide for them a filter to deal with the evil that they are going to be drawn to. That's what enticement is. Enticement is not making them do evil. It is tempting them to do evil. You want to get rich? Now notice, what did the previous verse, verse 9, just tell you? If you listen to my instruction, heed the law of your mother, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get jewelry. <laughs> You're going to get a crown and a gold necklace. That's inherited value of wealth of generations. Because really, Solomon built upon David's uh, wealth building and now we're going on to Rehoboam who messed it all up because he didn't listen to his dad. And that, we're going to talk about rebellion here. So we need to provide this filter over other influences. So if you want to help your child grow in wisdom, one of the things you need to provide is this. A clear warning over other influences in their life. What other, other influences are in your child's life that you have control over? When do you have the most control of your child's influences? Not where, when. The younger they are, the more control you have. And as they grow, you're going to have less and less control. When they become an adult, all you can do is say, please listen to the advice I've been giving you all this time. Um, but the likelihood is, is that somewhere along the line they won't. Um, but you can pray that they do, and occasionally you'll have a child that will and avoid a lot of problems in life. So what filter are you putting over your child's life, and what arenas? 
You want them to grow in wisdom, which means they need to identify evil influences and eradicate them from their life. How do you do that? Friends. Okay, how do we do that? Because it won't be long before they want to start spending the night at their friend's house. And I get those requests. Now, my kids in an early age were going to public school. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody at any time at this point at all. And I, I learned very quickly that that was not a healthy situation. Um, so the request comes, can I go play with so-and-so? Where? When? When are you going to be home? Who's going to be there? What's going on? How often do you guys get to go play at your friend's house? I, you didn't grow up in my house. I'm asking my kids. How often did you get to go play at your friend's house? <laughs> Valerie's counting on one hand. Scott says once. Outside of church people, that's right. Get the picture? That's how careful I was in my home. Because I know, people say, why do you have locks on your church and locks on your door? Because, and every time I lock the door, I said, lock the door, keep out the devil. Because I know that the devil is prowling. This is his world. This evil abounds. And so, um, even into adulthood, my daughter <laughs> goes to me and says, you think it's all right for me to go to this thing? And I, I ask her three questions. What do I ask them? Is there alcohol? If there's alcohol, you get out of there immediately. End of discussion. Because as soon as there's alcohol, there's no prudence. And a wise child, even a wise young adult, will recognize this is a dangerous environment because there's alcohol. Because once there's alcohol, there's no self-control. And that's where evil abounds. And so I set these parameters but because I don't know these homes, I don't know if there's alcohol involved, I don't know, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to be, what, what, what's, you know, are you there to watch video games, play video games, what are you there to do? And so, a careful filter. Now, how many friends were they allowed to bring to our house? All of them. Any of them. They can bring to ours. You say, Pastor, you have a double standard. Not really. I just know what their standard is. Now, if I get to know a family and I know that they have no alcohol in their home and I know that they um, don't worship the box and I know that they um, uh, have lots of activity and, and su good supervision, then maybe, occasionally, but what do they know about my home is that that's exactly the case. And what's frightening is that most of those parents never even asked what my home is like. Okay? And so I certainly have an open home because there I, and I can evaluate these kids and I see their engagement. I was like, and I have to tell them that's not a behavior we approve of here. If that's okay, your house is not okay, it's my house. That's a language that we don't use here. And then you know immediately, and what does Solomon start with? My friend, my son, if your friends entice you to do evil, get different friends. How do you know at a young age? The only way for me to know what kind of friends they are is to have them in my home. 
or to be in their home and see them in that environment. Since I'm very seldom invited into those environments, um, I just don't let my kids go. Period. Very few people will come in, let me check their cupboards and fridge to see if there's alcohol. Frankly. And now it's not even alcohol, it's every other drug that's out there, because now marijuana is pretty much legal too, so. De facto legal. They want you to, your children to do evil. They want them to be imprudent. They want them to be indiscreet. They do not add to the knowledge of God, of the Holy One in their life. And so you need to be careful and be involved in providing your children direction in having and being with friends. What other influences are in their life that you should be controlling? Entertainment. Let me tell you about the power of entertainment. It gets your son in trouble in first grade. Because he wants to act out what he saw on TV among his peers at school, and that's not acceptable. And then he gets in trouble, and I get called. It's about your son. I was like, oh, I should never have let him see any part of that movie at that age. So yes, I make those kinds of mistakes in judgment. Even Disney movies, yes. Are there acts of violence in Disney movies? Yes. There are. Okay, even Davy Crockett movies. <laughs> okay, that's the one. Davy Crockett. Boy, Davy Crockett got my son to so much trouble. You know, because he's there living out. Davy, he's going to live, Davy Crockett. Right now, I've got a grandson that thinks he's a dinosaur most of the time. Where did he learn that? Where did he learn how to behave like a dinosaur? It's his favorite thing. So what does he do? And so then he gets in trouble. Why is he getting in trouble for knocking heads and pouncing on other children? Well, he's just trying to be what he in the entertainment he saw. Do not ever underestimate the power of videography. It overwhelms every other influence in their mind because it short circuits Every defense the brain naturally has to evaluate right from wrong and good from evil. This is, this is proven. Your brain is more active while sleeping than while watching the television. Think about that. Your child has more brain activity while it's sleeping there going and looking like an angel then sitting in front of the TV your brain shuts down and becomes a interstate highway for information to come in unfiltered this is why I talk through most of our movies to make sure that get out of the zombie zone this is why my generation was grown up and my parents called it the boob tube. Because people, as soon as the teeth. It is not a good babysitting parenting device. 
No, I'll take that back. It is a very good parenting device if all you want is a child not to grow in wisdom and to be act and to be distracted so you can be selfish and live your life without engaging your child. The entire purpose of it declaratively is to sell, to distract, and to open up a child's mind and an adult's mind to things that are ungodly. If sinners entice you to do evil, run away. But we won't run away from it because it's in our living room. And now it's in their room. Okay, what other influences? Friends, entertainment, what else are you providing for their mind? Music, food, we'll get to that. <laughs> We're going to have to, we'll deal with more food issues when we get to growing in stature, bodily, physically. But your food does affect your mental faculties. Um, and I, I, my time in Haiti was demonstrable about that. Um, can't starve a people and expect them to be intelligent. Um, that it was an obvious effect upon their capacity to think and to function mentally and be discerning. Um, so let's talk about music. I'm going to put that in the same category as entertainment. Extraordinarily powerful. Um, there are some teachers that have become expert at what music to play in the classroom, depending upon what uh, atmosphere and they want out of the children and they can just use just Beethoven and his variety among Beethoven and the other classics you know Brahms, Mozart, all those um, and control a child's the entire class's uh, attitude of whether we want them to get them active or whether we get them to settle down I mean music is powerful okay um, there was something else, though, someone said. No. Church. Knowledge of God. They need to grow. They need to be instruction in that. All right? And this isn't just knowing the Bible stories. This is about memorizing what is, what are we told in the Bible? You should be, by the word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. We should be moving our children to memorize Scripture, to meditate upon Scripture, and to live according to Scripture. This is what we working with at We're Life Club and your Sunday school. We want them to memorize it. Do not underestimate your child's capacity to memorize. It is only a matter of what they're memorizing. It's not whether they can memorize. If you require them to memorize these things, um, you're doing them a great benefit to memorize scripture at a very early age. And um, we try to assist in that, but they should have a knowledge of the Holy One in their brain. And what happens? I word have I hidden my heart? I've hidden it there. The heart is not the center of your mental activity, it's the center of your will. How do I hide it? Through the avenue of your intellect. You settle it into your will and now it directs your life. So I want them not only to know it, but to love it. To love God's word. 
And so we quote it, we should be reading it, it should be in our conversation, um, and it should be regularly there. That's something you need to provide your child. The structure and discipline, the, the opportunity to know God's word, read it, memorize it, and meditate about it. What is meditation? We, we've lost that because we've given that up to the Eastern mystics. What is it to meditate on God's word? Okay, to consider it, to think about it. You know, uh, let's see here. Elizabeth, can you tell me what John 3.16 says? For God. Okay. How about Romans 3.23, Benjamin? You know that one? Your little sister thinks she does. Go ahead. What does that mean? No. Imperfection is not equal to sin. Who's we? You and me? Everyone. What about you? Oh, okay. To meditate upon God's word is to take it from the abstract to the personal. It's personalizing it. To meditate upon God's word says, how does this impact me? It's asking hard questions. My daughter knows that because I engage them all the time. My kids come and say, I was like, why? What does that mean? And I answer most of their questions with more questions. It's a little frustrating to them, but it's an exercise that will serve them when they get older. Because they'll be critical thinkers, not critical in terms of antagonistic, but filtered thinkers to think through something instead of just acquiesce to whatever's going on. So to meditate on is to personalize, to focus on that word and to bring it into your life. So that no longer is it for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's I have sinned and have disqualified myself from being in the presence of God Almighty. So who did Jesus die for, Elizabeth? Who's us? Who did Jesus die for? That's really important to you. He died for you. What if you were the only sinner? Do you think he would have died for you? Yeah, because he loved you. Personalize it. Okay, this is wisdom. To meditate upon God's word. To memorize it, meditate, not just to read it, not know the Bible stories, but to internalize it and to put it in their heart that I might sin against God. All right, there's one other influence that we haven't touched on. Um, and by the way, the church hopefully is supporting that. That's why you're here um, to encourage each other. That's why I'm here to encourage all of this. There's another influence, and that is family. Um, do all of you have a complete family with no unbelievers in them? Do any of you have a complete family with everyone doing righteousness? Okay, good. So we're all in the same boat. 
We need to have discretion and wisdom of filtering influences in their life, and sometimes that's even family members, even really close family members like peers, which means siblings in the home. Sometimes the worst influence on a child is its sibling. I say, what do I do then? I can't kick the kid out of the house. What do we do when the enticement comes from big brother? Let's go do that. What do you do? <laughs> exactly. Don't let sinners entice you because you'll get drug into the same problems and now you're going to lose the benefit of being in this home. And, and by the way, I just want to share one of the things that I have used and my children don't even know necessarily know. I don't know if they can put a finger on this, but they know when they're in deepest trouble with me, when I do what the Bible says, when God says he turned his face from them. The Bible says that when the Father is most upset with you, he turns his face away from you. And it's one of our prayers, is, is, and you hear David say, don't turn your face away from me. You know, consider me, look at me, make that contact, and I'll just not even look at them. Then they know they're in the deepest of places that requires them to make a change. They don't always can stipulate, but they know it in their heart. And so there's something that needs to be changed. There's something going wrong here. And so, but we need to be recognized that sometimes family members, um, grandpa, grandma, aunties, uncles, uh, cousins, um, can be problematic, especially if they do not follow after Jesus Christ. And sometimes even when they do give lip service to it, because they don't always recognize that they are an influence. My poor grandson gets in trouble with his dad on a regular basis because he calls it apple juice. And I heard his dad correcting him, no, son, it's apple juice. And poor little Trevor, it's apple juice. Because Pep-Pep said so. Because it's just a joke in my house. But to him, it's deadly serious. And... Um, but then my daughter said pancakes till she was in college before she found it was wrong. So um, those influences are very definitely there. Now that's a pretty innocent influence, but there are other influences. I just want to share something very quickly. I know I'm gone late. Um, in my ministry in Rio Rancho, I had a church that was heavily damaged by um, molestation. Among and for a young pastor, it was just, I was struggling with this, and these gals were coming forward, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And it seemed like there was, I was like, was there any woman not molested in this church beside my wife? Um, overwhelmingly, most of that molestation happened at the hands of family members. So this is serious. Um, your child's health and safety, but their spirit and their mind is being influenced. And if they're influencing them towards evil, then you need to provide safety from that. You need to provide the filter that they don't have because they haven't matured to have it. You need to provide that filter. 
And when we live in a society that tends to worship family, we think, well, they're always safe because they're there. No. Not if there's alcohol, and not if they love evil and call good evil and evil good. And if there's no discipline in that home, then that is not a safe environment for your child, period, end of discussion. I don't care how closely they're related to me. Okay, and so we take measures in our church. I take measures personally um, because of, I didn't used to as a young pastor. I thought that's silly that then that church in Rancho, I was just overwhelmed by it and, and infuriated by it. And I took, I just put a lot of things in my life and in my family life and in my church to guard that. And... Um, one of those things is that I can't trust my own children when it comes to that. Okay? Um, and so, um, even among siblings. And so we want to be cautious and provide our children wisdom and recognize that our influence is the first thing that Solomon says, says there's other influences. You've got mom and dad teaching you and giving you instruction, giving you commands to obey, um, and that's one side, and that's the positive side that you should be doing, but there's a negative side there too. Warn, 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 guard, guard, guard. Because people are out there enticing them, and you have responsibility to filter that for them and then help them develop filters so that they can do it themselves. And they can look at that environment and say, that can only lead to misery in my life. That can only lead to evil. That can only lead to destruction. Whether it's that woman, that group, that activity, that can only be trouble. And so this is what you need to provide for your child to grow in wisdom. An, a place where they have godly influences and are guarded from negative influences in their life. Help them grow mentally to be what God wants them to be. Don't let the world train their brain uh, away from God. And I could give you lots of science about that, about what video games and what TV shows. Uh, my invitation to you is you want to know what's a good show? Count the seconds between scene changes. If they are less than three, your child should not be watching it. If there are less than three seconds between scene changes, your child should not be watching it. Because that is doing something and many times you can't even count to two and there's a new scene and a new scene and a new scene and a new scene. And your brain is not made um, to uh, filter that and it actually breaks down the brain's capacity to evaluate what it's seeing. And it's putting images and ideas and things into their brain passively because the brain has turned off because it has overwhelmed by that sensory change that quickly. And that's why so many of them are bored looking at me for an hour. I've gone way too long. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us and for 
the children that you've given to us in this church and continue to provide. And Lord, we know that they're yours and that you are their God and that we must give an accounting to you as their parents. And yet, Lord, we know that you have placed within them a will to choose to do and be what they choose to be and do. Lord, we, we know that we have responsibility to train their minds to hate evil and to love your word and to obey you, to be, uh, have a knowledge of you. And Lord, we pray that we might use your word to rebuke and correct and instruct them in righteousness, that they might be complete. And Lord, we know that this world is master at destroying that. And of turning hearts and distracting them away from following after you. And so Lord, I pray that you might give us wisdom in how we engage in these entertainments and family and friends events. And Lord, that we might uh, recognize temptation that is there in these child's lives and sometimes seemingly very innocent, and yet it has uh, such an impact upon their behavior, their attitudes. Lord, help us to use these uh, rightly. Lord, we pray that you might um, help us to provide for the children of the churches and the World Life Clubs to provide them access to something they don't get anywhere else, really knowledge of you, an expectation and a requirement of discretion and prudence. Lord, we need in our own lives, each one of us, and we pray that you might help us to hate evil more and more, to have the fear of the Lord. And it's his name we pray, amen.